All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today I have with me, his official name is Andrew Zimmerman, but I like to call him Andy. He is the Chief Executive Officer of Journey. His work leans into innovation and emerging technologies that enable new experiences and disrupt business models. For the past seven years, Andy was CEO of Frog Design, the iconic innovation and design firm. Previously, he was a global managing director and co-founder of Accenture's mobility and interactive divisions, managing director at Ideal Lab, the world famous incubator and founder, and global managing partner for PwC's e-business division. Journey is Andy's next chapter, and listen very closely because it's also the title of his novel, which has been a bestseller on Amazon. And in fact, this book focuses on metaphysical fiction genre. So we're going to learn more about this this book, and we're going to learn more about Andy. And as many of our listeners know, full disclosure, we know each other from a long, long ago in our Accenture days. So Andy, welcome to It's Great Business. And I am so thrilled to have you on. I've been really looking forward to this discussion. Well, thank you. And I look forward to the discussion as well. Great to be here. Great. So I always like to start out because we, you know, when we, even when we have someone's bio, really, let's get to the good stuff. So tell me a little bit about you know, who you are and what your purpose is and, and what you're passionate about. Sure. Well, I think, you know, I come from a, a, a blue collar family in Pennsylvania, but um, always aspired to, to do something, frankly, more in the creative storytelling side of things. Originally, I thought I was going to, uh, going to be a writer and ultimately I have become a novelist, but it took me a number of decades to get there. Um, but then I fell into the business world almost by accident, almost just as a way of making money, to be honest with you, or paying the bills. And then when I fell into it, I, I realized that where I seemed to have some secret sauce or some special kind of mojo was, was really where new technologies were affecting you know, experiences or creating business opportunities. And I've always looked at that, not so much from a technology point of view, because I'm not a software engineer. I'm not even a particularly intensive user of technology. But I do think I have this sensibility in terms of when is a technology likely to take off? When is it likely to be something adopted by a lot of people? Because I'm kind of like a lot of people in that regard. And so that seems to be what happens in my career as I gravitate to the new emerging technologies when they start actually getting some traction. Fun, fun. Yeah, I, that's how I always remember you actually on the technology side and doing the cool stuff. So you've had quite a career in terms of just what you've been doing and journey is as a wonderful word but tell me a little bit about kind of what you've been up to personally and your career journey and how things have been uh transpiring for you yeah i think um 
you know, I on the personal side, and this is a little bit related to Journey, the novel, and we'll probably keep getting confused between the novel and the company. Uh, but um, in in that novel, which is fiction, but does have is inspired some by by some true events in my life. It does take place during the time that I was at Accenture, and I was involved in building the the, the new businesses you mentioned, Accenture Interactive and Accenture Mobility. Um, but I was very is very intensely involved in my work in my professional life. And I went through a sort of spiritual experience, if you will, where it opened me up to the fact that I was losing touch with myself and, and, and my loved ones and, and, you know, what really was important in my life. And so that was something that inspired me to write the novel, but also actually started changing the way in which I operated in the business community. And I actually have found it's a bit of a superpower. And so the second part of my life, both professionally and personally, has been one that's been informed by more of a spiritual awareness um, and more the power of love and vulnerability and empathy um, in, bo in both the business community as well as in my personal life. Yeah, it's interesting because um, when you talk about just kind of looking inward, right, spiritually, et cetera, there's so many people that uh, we've spoken to on this program, and, and I'm sure you have outside of this, and I know I have, that we're all starting to have just greater awareness of just not going through the motions of the day and, oh, got to get the paycheck, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I always say, got to make the donuts, but to really look around the world and enjoy and realize that hopefully we're fulfilling a purpose of being here above and beyond, you know, keeping food on the table. So tell me something. Um, I always like to explore, where did you begin? Where, where did you go to school? How did you get into all of this? And what did you study? Yeah, I mean, uh, it certainly is not what, what I say to people starting out in high school, don't plan too carefully your career, because certainly if I'm any uh, example, you know, it, it, I went a very different path than I originally thought, but I wanted to be the great American writer. As I mentioned, I went to Haverford College, very small liberal arts school with an excellent English department. Graduated in three years as a, as a creative writing major and then won a writing fellowship called the Thomas Watson Fellowship and traveled with circuses in Europe for a year trying to write a novel. So that part of my life, I, I was on track. You know, I was going to be, you know, this F. Scott Fitzgerald of my generation was my dream. And then I came back to the reality of, you know, I had to make a living once I got back. And I just took advantage of a work program at, uh, at one of the accounting firms where I could get a business degree and get paid while I was going to school and working. And that was just, frankly, just to pay the bills. And then through that, I fell into business and I actually found I was reasonably good at it. And then I began to progress and I am a sort of overachieving type of type A person. So no, I started... <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> but, you know, I, so I started getting motivated by the game, I would call it, of business. And the nice thing is you can keep score, you can get grades like A, Bs, or Cs, or, you know, making, hitting a quarter or not hitting a quarter. And that became a big chunk of my life other than raising a family. And that's when I got to that moment uh, of awakening I'm referred to sort of halfway or two-thirds of the way through my career where I realized that actually, you know, that wasn't enough. And in fact, it, you know, you're in danger of losing touch with yourself. So, so for me, it's been quite a, a, a not a direct journey. And you know, I ended up, I would have never predicted I'd be doing what I'm doing today when I was uh, starting out in life. Um, 
but in some ways everything's coming together you know in a way i mean i did write write a novel i'm finishing a second and third um what i'm writing about in fictional world is actually what i'm building in the real world with my new company and i feel like i'm very connected both you know with with loved ones and people at work and uh uh, so, you know, but it, it's been a journey and it's not a straight line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, you know, when we throw out the word metaverse and journey, I, I do want to talk a little bit about that for, for a minute here. So tell me, like, how did you end up, you know, because you and I have talked offline about metaverse and I think everyone's throwing that word out. What does that mean? for our listeners, people who may be starting out in their career, maybe in the middle or reinventing, like, and everyone's like, oh, the next big thing is, you know, metaverse and Facebook renames themselves meta. And what is it? Because the average person probably doesn't fully understand it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is a word that um, has a lot of baggage associated with it. And if you if you Google it, it's actually not in the dictionary. Um, of course, it comes from a uh, a novel called no, Snow Crash, Neil Stevenson, who who writes a novel about a, a fictional world, or uh, but but it's the real world. It's it, it's not it's not physical. It's not analog. It's all digital, but it is as real as a physical world, and that's sort of the where the word came from. I mean, literally, it was invented by a fiction writer. Um, I think of it as as Internet 3D. I mean, I think of it as a in some level, it's just digital, right? But it happens to be digital in a 3D environment. And that's been enabled through some combination of platform technology, wearables, and so forth. And so the difference is when you're in a 3D world and you're walking through space and time with sound and light, I mean, it's, it's a, it gets very difficult to separate that from what you're used to in the physical world. And so it creates a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, the, the, the standard thing is, you know, you can make gravity go away. But you can also create all kinds of social opportunities and situations that um, simulate physical reality to the point where it's really not even all that important, you know, whether it is physical or meta. And so this creates opportunities from a, from a media, entertainment, and social point of view, but it also creates industrial opportunities where you can create digital twins, which allows you to optimize supply chains or do heart surgery remotely, or you know all these sort of gee whiz sort of things that people are talking about. So that's sort of the broad strokes of what metaverse is. The fact is the actual use cases, implementation and rollout of the metaverse is absolute you know, creative destruction at this point. I mean, it's just crazy. Everybody's getting into it. There's no clear winners or losers yet. It's a lot of experimentation and discovery. Um, and it's very much in that sense, similar to the dot-com era, where there's a lot of creative destruction, a lot of money and, and you know, investment lost, but it also was you where you birth companies like Amazon and Facebook and Google. So that's where we are right now. Fascinating. It, it, it is. It's exciting. It's just um, suddenly, you know, this whole question of reality, right? What world am I in is, and, and the fact that you can maybe live forever, right? Yep. So we throw in AI and some other factors. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's- um, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So so with all of this going on and all of your, your past and, and what you're doing now, how would you look at defining success? 
Well, I mean, uh, there's a couple of different strands or streams to that success. One is continuing my spiritual journey, I think, and continuing to go deeper and further in that, I think, is one measure of success, because I think it's added meaning and, and, and made me a better person, both for myself and for others. I think on, uh, on the uh, personal side, I'm uh, um, remarrying and, and, and having a larger family, and I want that to be a, a successful and look forward to that. And then I look on the professional side and I kind of have two, two things. One is I'd, I'd love to make this new company that I formed and, and acquired a set of companies around the metaverse to be successful. And uh, that of course is somewhat financially important uh, in the sense of I have investors, but I think another sign of success is to kind of make our mark in the world. And we're working on programs and projects for clients that are just going to you know, stretch the limits of what is what is possible and stretch the limits in terms of what kind of customer experience or user experience we can create. And that to me is just kind of exciting. And why not? I mean, it's better than just doing the same old thing. Um, so those are sort of some of my aspirations. And then I guess on, on my other professional side, I want to finish my, my trilogy, my second and third novel. Nice. So, so, so on the, the business side of success, what size companies, just curious, I'm sure our listeners are as well, what kind of companies are, are you working with at this point? I mean, we've heard some, I guess, big names are kind of throwing out, trying to figure it out, but who's really been the sweet spot? Well, there's, I mean, it's really everybody um, in terms of industry, um, but I'd say you have your consumer brands who see the metaverse, and, and this is another place where it gets confusing because you have the gaming world which is, you know, gaming is the father of metaverse. So think of gaming as a relative primitive, relatively primitive and very targeted demographic. But the fact is in the gaming industry, people are already in a metaverse operating in gaming. So they, the brands want to reach these audiences and, and these audiences are not using Facebook and they're not watching TV and, you know, they're just not on traditional media. And so part of the work we're doing is working with the, just the, you know, the typical famous brands you think of who are experimenting and creating presences and games and gamification of experiences and virtual commerce um, you know, in these sort of new metaverse environments. Uh, media and entertainment is a huge industry for this because it just calls out for you know, music, concerts, fashion shows are, are sort of some of the early big use cases. You know, there are, there are concerts that are attracting 100 million participants in the metaverse uh, in Roblox or something. So, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty significant. But I'll tell you, you have things like healthcare. And so let's say you have a cancer uh, healthcare provider who wants, through, wants to through a Roblox environment, which is one of the gaming platforms oriented more towards younger children, sort of 8 to 14, um, who, who can socialize with kids their age who are having experiencing cancer and have a social and learning experience in that way. I mean, so, so there's a lot of interesting sort of applications in, the, in areas where you wouldn't necessarily, I mean, media and entertainment and consumer brands, I think are kind of obvious, but even in areas like healthcare um, and financial services, um, there are, um, you know, companies are beginning to experiment. Um, I'll just say that a CEO from one of the largest retailers in the world who we're working with opened up our first conversation by saying, Andy, we missed the boat on dot-com with commerce. 
so was catch up, you know, after Amazon. We missed the boat on mobile. We don't want to miss the boat on meta. Interesting. And, and I think that's a lot of companies are thinking that way. Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly yeah. what it is. I'm, I'm obviously not going to make money in the short term, mm-hmm. but I got to be there because. I don't yeah. Want to yeah. It's interesting because the reason I asked the question, probably our listeners would be thinking the same thing is that certainly those of us who've worked for large corporations, we know it's like, you know, moving the tanker <laughs> to, to get a business to look at new innovation. And even when they do, it's a dabble, right? Because they're like, well, we're fine. You know, we're, we're doing just fine right now. But, but you're right. I, I didn't even think about that. Those that have missed the, the, the other boats are a little nervous right now. Okay. And I'm sure their shareholders and I'm sure their board of directors and others are also saying, okay, we can be in this, right? So super interesting. But that, thank you for the, the little bit of education there. So, okay, we've got to ask this question. Is there anything that you would have done differently in your life's journey? Well, I, what I would say, but I was told that this, I shouldn't think this way. I felt a feeling of regret that I had not become more attuned to the spiritual or the duality of life, that there's this sort of physical you know, business sort of, you know, aspect to life. And then there's this sort of being in touch with yourself and others and empathy and love. And I feel like I lost some time there in my middle years where I just wasn't living life to its fullest because I was living in one of those two dualities. But my life coaches or spiritualists I've worked with have convinced me you cannot think that way because it's a journey and you wouldn't have gotten to where you are without the experiences that you've had. So there's a little bit of regret um, because I just feel like I lost maybe a decade or two. Um, But then again, and I do tell people, younger people that I work with, you know, just, you know, now's the time type of thing. But I'm just very grateful. I've had a wonderful life. I have wonderful friendships and family um, and uh, health and, um, and success. I mean, you know, business success. So my goodness, I mean, what, what do I have? I mean, I have so much to be grateful for. And a lot to look forward to. Yeah. So fun facts, which people always really enjoy this part. Um, we'll start with a person you admire the most. Well, um, I certainly admire my parents. Um, and I, I won't get into why exactly, but just from where they came from and, and what they accomplished with their family, I admire, I admire them tremendously. I admire a set of people. I admire people, the, a set of people, Gandhi, Mandela, and Martin Luther King, because these are people who suffered and experienced uh, valleys of despair that none of us could even imagine. And through nonviolent means, change the world so dramatically i mean i just think they're superheroes yeah yeah they i i would i would agree with you favorite book favorite book um is it's it it was a little bit tied to this sort of spiritual awakening but there's a book uh, the year of magical thinking by joan didion that I just happened to read at the same time I was going through a little bit of introspection and, and you know, this sort of experience I described in a novel. 
And it kind of fit together. I mean, it was just another way of telling me what's important in life. And I just, one is I think she's a brilliant writer. I mean, she's just an incredible writer, but also it was such a raw and poignant and just human uh, book. It's a memoir about her husband who died suddenly in the year following that, that his death, that, that has just stuck with me. It's just, it, it affected me deeply. Beautiful. You're not the first person, first guest to mention that book. Is that right? Oh, that's yes. interesting. Yes. Favorite movie? Well, that's tough because I am a movie buff. I was actually in the motion picture industry for a little while, Columbia Pictures. So, you know, I'm a, I love movies. But my favorite movie, if I have to pick one, is Day for Night, which most people probably haven't even heard of. But it's a Francois Truffaut movie. Uh, it actually won Best Picture in Foreign Film. And, and Truffaut, of course, is one of the great directors in history, French director. And it's a film about the making of a movie. It's fictional and it's funny and it's charming. It just captures the magic of making a movie, the magic of, uh, of uh, creativity. And to be honest, if I were to, you know, if I could have another life, my, my real secret interest would be being a movie director. So, you know, he just captures the beauty of, of movie making and, and just being in love with, with what he does. And so... Day for night is my favorite. You never know. One of your your novels could end up as a, a movie. Well, there's po it's possible. You, yeah. You, you yeah. never you never yeah. know, right? Look at some of the ones that are coming out now. So what about favorite city? Because you have traveled everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I, I came out of school, went to NYU business school and uh, I've lived in New York ever since. So I, I have to be the arrogant kind of New York City. I mean, I don't think there's anything like it. And I love New York City. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just fair. That's fair. Was nothing, nothing. Love New York too. What can you not like? Something for everybody. So how can listeners reach out to you? Yeah, the best way, I'm not, once again, I, like I said in the beginning, you know, for someone always on the technology leading edge, I'm not a heavy user of technology. But I mean, I do, you know, I'd say LinkedIn, I do try to respond to any, anyone who reaches out to me in LinkedIn. Um, and, um, and then, um, you know, uh, it's a little hard with my, uh, with my journey email, because I mean, you know, things get stopped and so forth. So it might just be easier to use LinkedIn to message to me. And I'm pretty good about getting back to people on LinkedIn. And, uh, and then if you're just interested in the company journey, go to journey.world is the uh, website. And there's a way to reach us uh, through that. But I'm actually not a big user of things like, you know, Facebook, and I tried Instagram, but, you know, it's a little dormant. So that's fine. And also just a little plug again for your book. Yeah, well, Journey is the name of the book. It's on Amazon, all the, all the you know, Barnes and Noble and so forth. And as you said, it got a couple of awards. And for a couple of weeks, it was uh, number one for the genre, metaphysical fiction. And uh, it is meant to be, it did, does take place for those of you from Accenture. You know, you'll probably recognize the name of the company in the book is Ascendant. <laughs> but I think you might recognize some, uh, not so much people, but just the atmosphere and so forth. And I think uh, anyone who just, it's meant to be entertaining. It's not heavy. It's not like a heavy, oh my God, you know, we all have to put on robes and go to caves and meditate, but it has a little bit of purpose to it. And it also is meant to be kind of fun and entertaining at the same time. So 
once again, Annie, it has been so fun and I have not stopped smiling because I really, really enjoy hearing from you and hearing your perspective and love hearing about the successes of people who I have, you know, had the, the joy of being able to meet and, uh, and watch their careers and personal lives really be so fulfilling. So once again, thanks everyone for listening. And Andy, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Intracoastal Marketing, LinkedIn at Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, and Instagram and Twitter at It's Great Business. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.